1: Peace. It's a monumental podcast today. It's a monumental Thursday show because first and foremost, we're bringing back the Twitter questions, Uh, something that we used to do all the time back in the starting nine days. Kind of gotten away from it a little bit, and the baseball is dead days mostly because I feel like we do a pretty good job of filling up a couple hours of a podcast. I feel like we don't, you know, normally need the help, but then the listeners were like, "Hey, listen, we want to be able to interact and." Uh, with you guys and ask questions and we want to dictate what you fuckers talk about so I was like you know that's a great idea
2: they got some shit to get off their chest Jared
1: yeah yeah so we're gonna be doing that Uh, but before we get into any type of questions it's a monumental show for another reason and lo and behold what a historic season it's been for the Meter.
3: wow oh my gosh it's great to be back Uh, It feels like we just did this, Um, but, you know, a lot of legends in the game right now. And Marcus Semyon has added his name to that list. Last night, he went two for five with three runs, a homer and two RBI to officially get over the Baines line. Thirty eight point eight. He's now at thirty eight point nine for his career. Semyon did it in eleven seasons. It took Harold Baines, as we all know by heart now, 22 seasons to get there. <laughs> so Marcus Semien, half uh, for those who aren't good at math. A uh, couple of parallels here, obviously, like what, what makes this so fascinating and maybe the most fascinating yet of the six people who have joined uh, Club 38.8 this season is that Marcus Semien was also drafted by the White Sox mm. and traded away by the White Sox just like Harold Baines. So the question that I think I'm kind of left with is, is Marcus, Marcus Semien going to the Hall of Fame via the Shadow Committee in 15 years uh, <laughs> because the Reinsdorfs regret trading him away uh, before he became great? So maybe a question for another time, but congrats to Marcus Semien, who I know was strongly considering coming on the podcast today mm-hmm. to well, talk about the achievement, Jay, um, but I, had a very busy schedule. Yep.
2: He, he did, but I have been given authority Uh, to respond Marcus Marcus did send over a statement which I can read right now it's um, and if you know Marcus if you know Marcus he's a he's a bit wordy so I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as I can here but uh, from Marcus Simeon he says sweet
3: Sweet. nice (laughs) nice good for him well that's I mean sometimes when you're overwhelmed by the moment wow
2: <laughs> that's all you can get Marcus out. Marcus Simeon.
3: I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm envisioning that's the case here. So, congrats to Marcus. Uh, One-time Oakland Day, obviously no longer. Uh, obviously because he's good. Oh um, wow, wow. That, but, see that
2: right there, completely fucking unnecessary. Continue.
3: Oh. Um, but sixth person to join this year, obviously uh, for those who need a reminder quickly: uh, Jason Hayward, Starling Marte, Aaron Judge, Francisco Lindor, Christian Yelich, and Marcus Semyon. Wow. Um, yeah, very special.:
1: The next one up, I know that there's uh, sometimes there's protests where people will, will like, you know, they'll put up like a newspaper and pretend that they aren't paying attention, or they'll just turn around, not face the action. Um, I will be turning my back to the next Baines meter uh, entrant.:
3: Well, I mean, it's interesting because he could have done it last night. We could have had a, a double, double Baines meter day. Mm-hmm. Except for probably that first inning home run uh, that went, I think, a thousand feet uh, <laughs> in the air <laughs> mm-hmm. by Wander Franco. Um, but maybe, maybe next pod, but he's currently stuck at 38.8. So we can't celebrate him yet.
1: Right. Lama won't be doing any celebrating.
3: Well, you know, that's your choice, but we will celebrate him here on your podcast. Seems well, awfully I lied. biased.
1: I li- no, no, no. It's not biased. Uh, I lied. I will be doing some celebrating. Uh, because last night I had a plus 400 parlay where it was basically the fuck Dallas parlay. Mookie bets two plus total bases. Freddie Freeman, two plus total bases. Dodgers minus one and a half. They, they cleared that by a good 16 runs. What a big win on the DraftKings sports book for your boy. Baseball fans, you could be winning every inning with the hottest offers in the game. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered from the top of the first to the bottom of the ninth all season long. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can take a shot at bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, place your parlay by combining three or more bets from the same game. Every additional leg gets you an extra boost up to 100%. Step up to the plate right now with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly, only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Opt-in and 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. And if you don't want to place your own bets, just
4: take mine because I fucking win a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, especially when I bet against the Oakland A's.
1: I either ride with the Braves or I bet against the A's and it has made me a lot of money. A lot of money.
2: Well, it's not rocket science, but maybe it maybe it is, maybe it is your your quote unquote rocket science. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good idea for a segment. Rocket it's- science.
3: <laughs> sales
1: team I would uh <laughs> I just like try to explain some sort of scientific element <laughs> for 5 minutes.
2: Yeah, we should have we should, that's what we should do.
3: I was we thinking it was your, more like baseball science type of thing or, like r- read off uh, the like like periodic science. table. Yeah,
1: <laughs> five, 5 minutes of trying to explain how to make a homemade magnet. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Maybe
1: maybe. Uh we're going heavy with the questions. It's a question episode today. And nothing really newsworthy happened overnight, really. Like no.
2: No. Other than nothing other
1: than uh Lucas Giolito giving up nine earned runs yesterday. Uh that's tough. I love Lucas Giolito. I'm rooting for the Angels to get to the postseason. I I'm I I commended them for going for it. But I said yesterday, like, ah, that might have been a mistake.
3: But probably probably worth noting that their playoff odds currently sit at about half of what they were uh, after Otani threw that shutout.
2: So. It's crazy to think that that, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. They're, that performance they're just under 11 yeah, that percent. Perfor- that performance from Otani, it, it almost like marked the beginning of the end.
1: Yeah. Whoa. Well. It, I guess the the that nightcap. I mean, he homered twice, and then he homered again to get off of Gosman.
3: I mean, I think the the Giolito thing last night quickly just speaks to me about how difficult these trade deadline deals can be because you have such a small period of time to make your impact. And I was just doing the math, and I was like, I was like, okay, if he goes, if he makes five consecutive starts of six innings pitched and two earned runs, which of course, the Angels would be happy with each time his ERA with the team would still be over five at this point. So like, it's just like one start can really just throw off kind of the perception of how the deal goes.
2: Numerically, that's what it looks like. And that doesn't sound great. But if you were to just do what the Angels are going to do here and evaluate whether or not they win or lose the games in his performance or in his starts, that's, That's the biggest thing. Is he giving us a chance? So, like numerically, that sounds horrible because you would absolutely take any one of those starts. But let's say he, let's say they won three out of those five starts. Like they'll, they'll take that. They don't give a shit that his ERA is still over five. They'll, they'll take those. It's just a tough spot to be in. It's kind of like a reliever, like a reliever at the beginning of the season who gets shelled and then spends the next three months trying to pull those numbers back down to earth, or at least back down to where you can fit them on the fucking scoreboard. And that that just sucks. But then you look like, oh, well, it's been a nice two week stretch, even though he's got a nine still.
1: All right. Anyways, that's that. That's talking angels. We're not calling Max today. Sorry, <laughs> Max. I know you're listening right now. We're not fucking calling you. We're doing uh, Twitter DM questions. Uh, Jake, Jake's going to take the reins on the questions. How many did we get? Oh, we got tens of thousands, but I narrowed <laughs> it down to the top 13. OK. Mm. All right. Uh, Question number one comes in from a fan of which team, Jake?
5: A fan of the Yankees, I assume.
1: Okay, you assume.
5: All right. Proceed. Question is need your unbiased opinion. What is the Yankees main (laughs) issue? Manager, ownership, lack of player development or what? Something has got to
1: change. Starts at the top. Ownership. Ownership. Hal Steinbrenner. Like, George Steinbrenner never would have let this shit happen. I know Brian Cashman, everyone. There was a fire Cashman chant last night uh, when Wander Franco hit that two-run piss missile off of Garrett Cole, costing him a shot at the Baines meter Honor her uh, today. Uh, fire Cashman chants were raining down from the stands in uh, the Bronx Zoo last night. It starts at the top. I know that everyone wants to point to Cashman. He's the one that pushes all the buttons. But Hal Steinbrenner, the willingness to spend, the aggressiveness, the tone of we're the goddamn New York Yankees and I won't settle for anything less than a championship, that fire is gone. And uh, I mean, Brian Cashman was there for the championship years. Hal Steinbrenner was not uh, at the helm, he was not at the, at the tippity top during those championship years. So I start with ownership.
2: I, I agree. I agree in terms of how you're viewed any sort of fear that might still be reminiscent of what the late nineties, early aughts were like for the New York thing. That stuff is gone. Kind of like the spirits, the ghosts in the old building gone. There's nothing redeeming about the new ballpark. There's nothing that gives you the chills about it. It just, it it is not there. It's just not there. And the perception of the organization is, really throughout the league has completely changed and i'm not quite sure that ownership really understands that or really has a feel for how much it has changed and so until until they can come to peace with who they are as an organization and i mean they can say that they want to do x y and z but when they're doing a b and c and not making the moves and continuing to talk about you know Getting to a place of comfort under the luxury tax and this all of that flies directly in the face of what the evil empire has represented. So the evil empire nickname, gone. Any sort of fear you have of the ghosts in the history of the orc, gone. The idea that they're going to make a run and a push for the best eight free agent players in the market, gone. It's just not there.
1: Jay Hey? Do you have a take on
3: this? I agree, hundred percent. I think it's in order: ownership, front office, uh, manager. If those are the three options, <clears throat> I don't think no. I don't think Aaron Boone has anything to do with the no. Yankee struggles. No. I think he's no, no. <laughs> a- and the I, fact I that th- he was getting w- dragged
1: through the mud yesterday, like I love Jimmy and Jake. I love those boys, but I mean, why are we coming at Aaron Boone for some of this shit? Like, like it, I don't know. I feel like out of, I know people, it's, it's odd, right? Because when, if if in terms of a situation like the Yankees are in right now, underperformance, frustration, things need to change. Clearly what we're doing isn't working. Then you have, uh, where we've been asked the question, who is to blame? And we all said it starts at the top with Hal. So it goes, Hal, Cashman, Boone. But if you're the fans, where do they attack? The opposite, they attack Boone, then Cashman, then Hal. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Well, but it's because
2: it's because of what's readily available to you. Like if they had access to Hal, and Hal was going to sit down and have that conversation, I would want to believe that they're asking the same questions to that individual because that's who those questions are really meant for. Because you're asking player personnel, you're asking on field personnel to answer questions regarding what the front office and ownership are responsible for yeah so that, and that's also, a miss I
1: think it's also like a layer of armor almost right like Boone is the most fireable then Cashman well and you're an owner like well, you can't fire yourself
3: and Boone by virtue of being the manager also is giving fans who want something to be mad about fresh things to be mad about on a daily basis or, or every other day or whatever when they don't win. You know what I mean? Like, you can always nitpick something a manager does within a game, right? Like, that's always available to you. The owner is just there. It's just a constant presence. He's not doing something new every single day. But you can't convince me that if this team was ready to win the World Series, built to win the World Series, that Aaron Boone couldn't guide them there. I mean, he, we've seen them get on the doorstep of the World Series uh, under this regime. Um, but I think it's ownership for sure.
4: Jake. This comes from a Tigers fan. Why is the
5: Tigers front office so inept? There's no excuse whatsoever for not dealing Eduardo Rodriguez at the deadline. I don't care if he vetoed the trade, you should have multiple fallback plans in place. We are not winning this division and he probably is not resigning. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'll take first stab at this one, I guess. I think it's important. I'm sure the question person asking this question knows this, but this regime is different from the one that made most of the mistakes, quote unquote, leading up to or, or the, the failed rebuild, right? They have since replaced Al Avila with uh with new people, right? So um that's one thing. Second thing, like, I'm sorry, I just I, I don't know what this person wants the front office to have done other than what we talked about on the pod with Eduardo Rodriguez. If he doesn't want to go. There is no fallback plan for dealing no. him like he either right. goes or he doesn't he either wants to go or he doesn't want to go. So like to me, that is like just kind of you're out of luck as a Tigers fan in terms mm-hmm. of ability to trade or not trade Eduardo Rodriguez. It just didn't work out uh, the rest of the team. I mean, I think unfortunately, despite having just gone through a full tear down and rebuild, you probably need to give the current front office time to. Actually, get some sort of job done because they haven't had time. In fairness to them, so that's it's not a great start. But that's how I would answer that question.
0: But didn't he say he would have gone to an East Coast team? At least that's the story. He's sticking to it. I think people assumed that.
1: I don't think that he said that. I think he. Yeah, said, I don't think that's
2: been made public. It-
1: yeah he said and, and, like, and that's the thing you can't was very do Comfortable a- in Detroit, and I didn't want to uproot and yada 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 and i'm i'm ha- I'm happy in Detroit, which he might be the first person to ever say that
2: well yeah that, that's, <laughs> that's 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 the bad luck thing that you're talking about Jay Hey, is as a fan. you would love to think and, and that's where you know i I forget who's um you know i I tweeted about just reminding folks, and I think a lot of people did you know hey, there's a lot of other people outside of the player who's affected by this trade deadline and and I think Eduardo Rodriguez's situation is a prime example of that if there are things extenuating circumstances outside of baseball that are impacting the decision making process for him if you're a, if you're a Tigers fan it's just to hang with him right now it's unfortunate that you have a player of the value of Eduardo Rodriguez in the position he's in away from the field And he's doing the best that he can to take care of himself and his family. And that seems to be getting in the way of baseball business. And that's the harsh reality of this business is that things like that can happen. And on the flip side, things that Eduardo Rodriguez may or may not be going through are also at times cast aside, not considered. And the player is moved and just asked to deal with it because that's the business of this game.
4: Jake? Uh, next question. What's the biggest obstacle standing in the way of the Braves winning the World Series?
0: Joseph? Uh, probably their wives. <laughs> <laughs> and their what? kids. Because oh. I know a few, they still have a few guys who are dealing with family stuff. I don't think that's really <laughs> conductive for a championship. I think we can overcome that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't see anything stopping them. <laughs>
2: so. <laughs> so family dinners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. We got to get rid of that. I know they do that on the road The Braves. I don't know if you guys heard, read the story on the road, the Braves eat uh, their meals together. The Braves will buy, they'll have team breakfasts and team dinners waiting for them when they arrive. I think that's great, but I think they should also do that at home as well, just to limit that, you know, R and R family time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the, all these distractions, but I think we're on the right track. That would, that would be, that would be uh, one thing. Other than that, I guess bullpen, you could say, in terms of them. But you could say that about every team. And then I would probably say the Houston Astros and the Dodgers. The two teams that couldn't probably really give the Braves a run for their money in terms of like actual roster and skill yeah unless there's a fluky anything can happen in the playoffs but those two teams i think are like really uh the, the teams to beat did you see the codify tweet is it codify or codify dallas codify. codify codify
1: codify codify had a tweet about the mlb league average for ops and just went down the entire braves lineup and one through nine they're
0: all above league average in ops Everybody I said, dude, I was the one who invented that. You invented that? <laughs> I found that stat first, dude, and it's not even true anymore. So That's, it was true yesterday. What about Eddie Rosario? Eddie Rosario is under is it 96 in the yesterday. But like, uh oh, Michael oh. Harris,
1: Mr. Cotify. is has like a what? eight fifty OPS and He's hitting ninth <laughs> in that lineup.
0: Yeah, Michael Harris is hot, as Jay Hay established yesterday. Yeah, man, like the Braves as a team, like it is pretty scary. (laughs) They really don't have a weakness. Like, I guess the bullpen would be the one thing that's probably the worst of all all that. But even that, like, I don't know, like you could say that about most teams. Like, are they that confident in their bullpen? I think, you know, I'm pretty sure they're probably better than most teams, Stan, but that would probably be their biggest weakness. And honestly, I think also... Uh, what Mac, Max Max Freed is coming back tonight. I think that has a big, big impact. Like if he's gonna be back to Max Fried how he has been, like that's just crazy. That's just uh, another reason why they're gonna win the World Series. Uh, if he's still hurt in some ways, then they're in a tough, tougher spot. Mm. Him and 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 Kyle Wright coming back and seeing how uh how good their arms are doing.
4: Mm. Uh, Jake. If you're the
5: GM of the Cincinnati Reds, what is your five-year plan with this team? What is your realistic goal this season after already exceeding expectations, and what moves are you making moving forward to chase
3: championships? Jay Well, I mean, I think the very first decision you're making this offseason is the Joey Votto club option, right? I think you have to make some sort of decision there. Um, I think we need... As we've outlined before, I think we need to be realistic about what this team is really likely to do, and that's not operate at the high end of free agency. So we can point out all the free agents, particularly pitching free agents that might be coming down this offseason, you know, beyond Otani, that could include Nola, Snell, Urias, Erod has an opt-out, although, you know, whatever, Giolito, Sonny Gray, Stroman. Etc. Like all of those guys would be perfect fits in a lot of ways on this team. Um, but it's a little bit difficult to envision them, you know, laying out the $150 million plus that a lot of these guys are going to take, I would assume. Um, so I, I think the five-year plan probably looks a lot like what we discussed yesterday at the end of the podcast in terms of expectations of internal growth, internal promotions, uh, the team payroll going up incrementally, mostly by arbitration raises, um, and hopefully the development of the frontline starting pitching. That I think they thought they had entering the year in Hunter Gray, uh, Hunter Gray, Hunter Green, and Nick Lodolo. Um, we've sort of forgotten about those guys, but that's as much swing and miss atop of ro- of a rotation as exists in baseball potentially. Um, mm-hmm. And I know Lodolo was, like, brutal before he went down, um, particularly with the long ball, but there's still a lot of arm talent there. And um, I, I don't think the five-year plan will uh, include a lot of free agent imports or a lot of, like, megawatt trades. I think, I think this is going to be a team whose greatness is determined by the internal development of Ellie De La Cruz, Hunter Green, and, and McLean, and all of those other people.
0: I think it's kind of weird because honestly, if I think we kind of forgot the Reds were in like a very similar spot, like just a few years ago, with all those players who were, I don't know, not as young, but pretty young, nice solid core. I don't think they, you know, like is saying, they weren't going out and buying more players.
2: No, it's going to be uh, all about internal development for the Cincinnati Reds, all about internal development. And talking to some folks who are very familiar with that organization, um, I I think much like many organizations, there needs to be folks who are on the same page and are pulling in the same direction as far as an analytical approach to development and understanding the importance of that and understanding that there needs to be a transition made eventually from a more old school and archaic approach to evaluating players and developing developing them to now understanding what to value, identifying who has that value, and then going from there. But that all falls under the umbrella of internal development. And realistically, they're still
3: going to be operating, probably for the entire, entirety of Eli De La Cruz's prime, as, at best, the third largest spending team in that division, and much more likely, fourth. Uh, ahead of the Pirates only because I don't think the Pirates are quite as ready as the Reds to win. Um, The Cubs and Cardinals are always going to be outspending them, too. So it's going to have to be like they've gotten they've made shrewd moves to get to this point. Uh, The next five years are going to have to include more of those, I think, to keep pace with the rest of the division.
1: Yeah, I I, I just I don't know. I I was upset about their trade deadline. We talked about that on the last episode about how I was like, how do you not add a pitcher? Reds fans said that I was stupid because they had the best (laughs) ERA in the month of July. And then they proceeded to give up 36 runs in 24 hours. Uh, So I don't know. They're going to have to they're going to have to get creative. They have They obviously have um, a, a well of talent to deal from. How they do it, I, I I do not know, but they're right around like hundred million dollar payroll, right? Like they, it's not like they
3: it's not like right they, now spend they nothing. Right now they uh, they have a ninety-two million dollar payroll which ranks twenty fourth in baseball.
0: Okay. So give me like middle of the yes. pack. <laughs> Damn, Jared, you got vindicated. Thirty six runs the last two games <laughs> the Reds have given up. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, they were like, bro, don't worry
1: about it. We had the best ERA. We had the fourth best ERA in the National League in July. We're good. 36.
2: Right? I mean t- Reds fans, it might be a little early just checking in on that August ERA. <laughs> I think they
0: I think they might be last in August though.
2: <laughs> Joey, I, I think the calculator it just started fucking smoking and burst into flames trying to compute those numbers still.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That is quick vindication. Um Jake uh, why is Dallas the way that he is? <laughs> uh, wow. um,
1: why is dallas the well, first of all, he grew up in Stockton, which, if again you want me to go back to my essay, I believe they're the third least literate city in the country uh they're the third like they were top five in obesity um uh, you don't have metabolism. That. Uh, um, yeah they're just like where he grew up I don't know that many people come from there and are you know we don't look at them as non deranged people like Dallas is very there's something wrong with him between the ears
2: I mean just look at the Diaz brothers Nick and Nate yeah they, they the- are
1: not well what's wrong <laughs> 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 yeah, we're not going to sit here and say that no one ever achieves a level of success coming from Stockton, but they're usually Simply fucking not yeah, they well they I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Uh people achieve levels of success coming from Stockton.
0: Um but it it is a place that breeds weirdos and yeah. And it's one it's one one thing to be from Stockton born there but then to just choose to stay there your entire life and just keep <laughs> Living in Stockton, <laughs> that you know, that's, that's who we're dealing with over here. Yeah, there. it's a, it's like it's
1: no different than being <laughs> Chernobyl High class of nineteen eighty, <laughs> and then just wow. being like, you know what, I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm going down with the ship in Chernobyl. It's the same <laughs> thing.
0: I don't. know it would be like, but also like to be like make millions of dollars. Playing baseball and whatever else, and then still being like, "No, two oh (laughs) nine, motherfucker." Yeah, all
4: right, you're done. Basically, why he is the way
1: that he is. Yeah,
4: yep. Thank you,
1: Jay. You have any thoughts on this?
3: (laughs) Nah, pass, pass. (laughs) Oh God.
4: You sure you don't have any thoughts? I was was just fucking Jay.
3: Nah, No, that's a whole separate podcast. I think.
2: Okay. Yes.
0: But if you want to learn more about why Dallas is the way it is, watch my next video. When is it coming out? Coming out today. Today. Probably today. 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 What's the run the time? The biggest maniac. The biggest maniac in baseball. <laughs> Dallas Bray. <laughs> it's a long one.
1: Like, uh, we we in 18 minutes? Yep, 25 minutes. Wow, 25
0: minutes just on Dallas? It's a lay. I could have been longer. Got a lot of great stuff. A lot of great access. I personally think it's, it's, it's one of the funnest videos I've ever made. Truly inspiring story. I think there's some shit in there that you guys probably wouldn't even know. I think uh, most people listening probably don't know. But yeah, this one's going to be a banger. That's
1: going to be a banger.
0: Did you yeah. already
1: decide on the title? I think I'm going maniac. Wow. <laughs>
2: well, I, I mean,
1: I think we- <laughs> it's
2: a little aggressive. I doubt.
1: Imagine imagine. <laughs> I mean, we got- Joe is just like, hey, Dallas, I'm really interested in you as, as a subject matter. Would love to come out to Oakland do an interview and like paints it as this big fluff piece and it comes out and it's just like an absolute takedown hit, hit <laughs> piece on <laughs> Dallas and you still have to do a show together after.
0: Uh, I don't know, man. You got to clickbait him somehow. Yeah, I think maniac. Because listen, he, he did some fucking crazy shit. So I think it's not that <laughs> yeah. that far out of the realm. Baseball's
1: biggest piece of shit, Dallas. That <laughs> <laughs> That's more fitting. Yeah. oh man Yeah, I'm looking <clears throat> forward to it it's coming out today
0: no I unfortunately I don't think it's a hippies I think most people <laughs> will watch this and come out of it with probably more respect for Dallas than they did going in wow alright I wish so, he did some more fucked up things in his life <laughs> that I could talk about but <laughs> most of it's pretty uh, pretty solid
1: He ne- so then he never divulged any of the strip club stories or anything like that no, nope, but didn't get into that.
2: No, nope. Joe Joe kept it fairly above board. <laughs> above board. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. If you if you watch Joe's YouTube channel, baseball doesn't exist. He says the word butt weird. Butt. Butt. But, but, yeah, bit. say butt. They're like he talks different on the sh- on this show. Than he oh does my one.
2: god! I it, it was I was like, who in the fuck is this dude? I do a podcast with this dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The
1: way that he talks, the way that he talks when he narrates his videos, it is, uh is I'm like, that's not my Joseph.
2: Yeah, he's got a he's got a very his his uh his enunciation, his mouth. It definitely <laughs> yeah. moves a lot when he is using the words. <laughs> yeah. But, but like he's <laughs> turned, "butt" into a fucking four syllable word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Um, all right. Next question, Jake. Uh, question for
5: the pod. Why the fuck didn't the twins do anything? We got a rock solid rotation, but an offense that couldn't support Nolan Ryan and Greg Matt, Greg Maddox. In a division where everybody sold and the Guardians just reset, why didn't we go out and get some bullpen help?
2: Hmm. I, um, I mean, think that question. be the same answer. Well, can it be the same answer? Kind of, kind of that you would give if you were Cleveland, saying because I, like I just found something very interesting listening to Steve Cohen talk about you know their odds to make the playoffs and are you betting on a twelve percent chance? and he's like well, I'm not I'm not betting on that. I don't know that that's a bet I'm taking. Um so I mean is there any hint of that? No. When I, it when it comes to the when it comes to the Minnesota Twins even though the even though they're in first place,
3: yo, the Twins have 78% odds to make the playoffs and their whole deal is that they don't ever fucking win anything once <laughs> they get there, right? Like <laughs> I, I, I to me this is the single most Interesting, like or or criticism-worthy thing that we didn't really discuss on yesterday's podcast was that the twins did nothing, and I would point anybody who's interested to the athletic article by Aaron Gleeman who covers them really well, obviously, uh, that was published yesterday. That was scorch scorching and appropriately so. Like I think this was borderline gutless, and I'm going to parrot one reason at least that he had in the article that I think is a really good point, which is that their needs really were not particularly expensive to go and acquire. They didn't need a frontline starting pitcher to go out and get. What they needed was a guy who could hit left-handed pitching as part of a platoon because they have the dead last OPS versus left-handed pitching in Major League Baseball. So they needed a right-handed bat and not like at shortstop. So, but- but, but, but or a gold glove center fielder, right? So in theory, you could have gone out and gotten this sort of thing to help complement a team that has a golden road paved for them to the AL Central and home games in
2: the playoffs. Like, I, I think but, this is But that right there, Jay Hay, I think that could very well be playing into this. And that's where I ask the question, and that's why I continue to have that conversation about how realistic are these teams that are at the top of their division, albeit non-competitive, is is this them being extremely realistic and saying, why would we need to add when really it could be addition for us by subtraction of our closest competitor in our division? The guards just sold. They're two out, and they just sold. So who's barking up our tree right now? Who's making it tough for us to win the division? To your point, nobody. They're 80% locked in. But from there, as you said, Jay Hay, they don't ever win shit from there. And it's not necessarily about being competitive at a championship level and telling you that they will win these championships. They're telling you that we will compete with the teams who are making these moves. And that's what the extended playoff has done. In my opinion, it is has given teams like the Minnesota Twins in a situation like this, the opportunity to say our closest competitor sold. We're in a great spot to get where? To the playoffs, to win the division, and for those home games. But do we think we're going to be competing against the Rays? Do we think we got a shot against the Orioles? Do we think we're going to be making noise against those clubs? And if the answer to that, which you highlighted, has been no and has been no in the recent history, then (laughs) why go out and make those moves to do what? Hold on. To do what? To win the... to win the round, they're not going to win? If you don't think, as
3: as owner or GM of the Twins, that you could go head-to-head against the Orioles right now in a postseason series, then what the hell are we even doing? Like, I'm, what, I'm with you. What, with what you. is the point? If you look at the Orioles roster, this is not some fucking juggernaut. It's not the Braves, right? It's the Orioles. They're ve- They've had a great season. I'm not taking a single thing away from them. But if you line up against the Orioles in a postseason series and see that starting pitching that they have, and you have the Twins' starting pitching, which would be superior in every single game if it started right now, right one, two, three, they would have better starting pitchers in each of those matchups. Um, then I, I, I just don't understand what the point of all of this is. Like, if I understand what you're saying, that teams can just glide into the playoffs and just kind of like half-ass their approach about it, like. We're not gonna. We're not gonna mortgage even a little bit of the future because nope. whatever. There's a path, and I get that the Guardians absolutely played a factor in probably how the Twins went about this. And I think Falvey, their president of baseball operations, had a uh, went on the record and had a quote or whatever and said that uh, a couple teams that they expected to be sellers pivoted at the end and became buyers and or didn't sell. Um, and I think that's totally fair. I think. If we're being honest, that 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 was the landscape. Like you just look at these teams, there mm-hmm. weren't many outright sellers, right? That had things to sell at this point. And so I'm sure the market was juiced. But again, there wasn't much being asked for out of this roster. And I have to think that if you look at the track record of the twins over the last now three seasons, that there's some level of pressure that exists for this front office to win something. And maybe <laughs> it's not a World Series, but like if they don't win the AL Central this season, then to me, that's like as embarrassing of an outcome as any team suffered, including the teams that we talked about as most disappointing. If the Twins fail to win the Central, when the Guardians are basically giving it to them, then I, I that to me is as an embarrassing an outcome as exists this year. And they're tied for 17th in baseball and winning percentage over the last three years. This would be their third straight year, not making the postseason. I think it's, borderline shameful that they didn't go out and get something like honestly even if it even if it was a tommy fam like tommy fam actually makes sense for this roster
0: however like that for them has nothing to do with it it's just the division sucks and on like the twins are out of the wild card so i get the playoff point but on top of that like they don't even need to win a playoff series. They haven't won a playoff game in like 20 years. Like the, so their bar is lower than ever, like lower than any teams. Like if they win a playoff game, that's kind of a success for them. Is it they 2004 can't
1: or 2003? I think it's 2004. They won a game in the division series against the
3: Yankees. 2004. Yep. Yeah, who,
0: who knows? But also Dallas. So, I
3: mean, so we're
2: talking about a decade. We're talking. Go ahead, Joe.
0: What about teams like? Because uh, I I think the playoffs is just interesting. But like teams like the Cubs, without mm-hmm. the wild card, would probably be selling right now. Uh, teams like Miami, mm-hmm. uh, Boston probably would have sold. Maybe like there's like I think it kind of goes both ways. Like some ways, like the, I guess yeah, the playoffs are making people be like chill. But also a lot of times it's making teams try harder because they have a better chance.
2: Well, what it is is I think it's creating two separate classes of postseason. And it's, it's really giving folks an opportunity to bang the postseason drum, all of the Minnesota Twins. We won the division. We got to the AL <clears throat> division series. We haven't been there in a while. Aren't you guys happy with the work we've done? And I think, as you guys have just highlighted, the answer to that would be a, you know what? Shit, we haven't won a game since 04 in the postseason, and we just took the division and got to the division series, and maybe we were able to scratch a couple out. You know what? Maybe we're headed in the right direction. Like, that could very well be the thought. And it's because that bar is so low. But then there's other clubs who are saying, we're not interested in competing just to be the third wildcard team. Like, that's insanity. We want the division. We want home field advantage. We want LCS or bust. Like, this is, we, we want to get to the World Series. And I think there's, Two separate classes of teams that are going into two separate directions when it comes to the postseason. They're yeah. after two different things.
3: I am I might be talking out of my ass because I really don't. Yeah, the know central
0: people. hasn't got that. Yeah, the central data. No one in that division wants to win shit. They're all just I, chilling. I just... But I then you seems know teams I, like the Angels, who are going all in, even though they got the lowest odds ever. And uh, you know. that's
2: a, that's a bad example. That's a bad example. They're doing a lot of different shit for a lot of different <laughs> reasons that might not work out at all. I,
0: I just oh well, the Cubs I, are I, a good example of that, though. The Cubbies who are as, hot.
3: As it relates to the Twins, though, like I just I might be talking out of my ass, but I, I'm going I refuse to believe that winning a playoff game. Is going to actually be satisfying for that fan base like there's just n- i i don't know any of them really but i just don't think that's the case like i think this is well
2: it shouldn't be it should never be
3: no like, and that i don't think never be that okay it is. With a fan base. i don't think that it is like i i just think this idea like that like maybe ownership is fine with that i i have no idea but i don't think the fan base is satisfied with like getting in and and just meekly bowing Winning out 18. yet again
1: Yeah, yeah. like you you haven't won a playoff game in 20 years. You've been there a ton, uh, but they haven't won a game. And I can't imagine that the fan base is going to celebrate winning a singular playoff game in a year where, you know, you have no fucking chance to win the World Series. They're a game over 500 right now. I think they have uh, they have a one game lead on the Angels.
2: Okay, well, then hold on. Let's ask this then, Jared. No, they're
1: they're game behind the Angels.
2: If you have no chance of winning the World Series, then doesn't that kind of put you in a spot to celebrate anything that happens postseason-wise? Like, if you know, if you're walking into this going, oh, shit, I'm not even allowed into that room. Like, I'm in the building, but I can't even go into that room. And now they're like, no, you can come into the room for sure. Come in. And then you get into the room, and it's like, well there's a velvet rope over here, there's another main room back there, there's another VIP section and you're like, "Well, you know what? Fuck, I was in the building, I was happy with that. They they actually even brought me in the room, which was pretty cool. That that was pretty cool to see that. Um but no, I at no point did I think I was going to the VIP. At no point did I think I was getting behind the velvet rope. So th- like tell me where we're at mentally if you know the world series is just not even a thing, would you Rather not even get to the postseason? Or would you rather win one game in the postseason? I, I don't know. I guess it, it all depends
1: because if, if they just get there. <clears throat> so there's, there's two paths that you can go down. You're the Minnesota Twins. You do nothing at the trade deadline. You get to the postseason. Does ownership say, well, what we're doing is a, is a success. We got there. We, that's the goal. Get to the, po- get to the playoffs. We got there, so we don't need to change anything of what we're doing. Or are you being run in a way where you get there, lose again, do not win a fucking playoff, not one playoff game. It's been 20 years since you won a playoff game. Is that the point where uh, ownership goes? All right, like now we really got to try because you can't say that they've done nothing like they they paid Carlos Correa and Mm -hmm. it hasn't worked out. But I mean, they did it. So it's not it's not they're not being run like an organization that doesn't spend any money ever. Uh, they went out and got Carlos Correa twice. Twice yep. they did that. Twice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of like, all right, you, you're you're filling these holes, but are you willing to to go all in? Like, I haven't seen the all in approach there. They've made a lot of smart moves like Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was like an afterthought. And he he was an all-star this year and he his first half was outstanding. He's been one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh so I don't know. I, I feel like they they've made smart decisions. Uh they've made somewhat aggressive decisions in free agency, but they really haven't pushed all their chips into the middle of the table. And like having built a foundation is great, but when you've needed reinforcements, where have they come from? Uh so I guess that's the question that they have to answer this offseason is is getting to the postseason good enough for us?
3: I I just can't get over that like everyone else in the division laid down and and this is what they've come up with. Like I just don't and to me, like I, I I'm hesitant to say that they that the World Series is not anywhere in the picture for this team. Like I of course it is a very long shot, but if you win the division and you get home games in the first round of the playoffs, I just, I can't immediately dismiss that possibility with the front three that this rotation has. I, I, whatever, they will be the second least likely team in the playoffs to win. But I just, I I don't know. I I just don't understand like what the point is. If you're building a team with this rotation that has invested, like you're saying in Carlos Correa and has resigned Byron Buxton and went out and paid Joey Gallo, um, you know, whatever it was, $12 million this year to come in. Like I just don't get what the point is of not trying to win once you're there because it's not like it would have required Max Scherzer on this team.
4: hmm Anyone else? No. All right, guys, we're in the heat of summer, and you
5: need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees, as well as official U.S. women's soccer team sunglasses, so you can add a little extra something to your game day outfit for this summer's big matches. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great-looking polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks, and use code ROCKET for free shipping on your order. Okay. What are the Royals doing? What is the plan? We're trading guys away, rightfully so, and getting D-list prospects in return. This is starting to look like the A's. There's no effort to get better. They claim they have young talent coming up, but we couldn't develop Randy Johnson if he came up in our organization.
2: (laughs) Well, the Expos had a tough time doing it too, so, I mean, cut Randy Mm -hmm. some slack.
1: That's true. Uh, What are the Royals doing? That's a great question. Uh, Because I feel like they are... even when they were contending at the highest of levels. I don't want to say that it was luck, because you do have to draft and develop well, but where the luck comes in is that they had a group. A bullpen. Well, yes, they had a bullpen, and I feel like the, the Royals, in a way, kind of revolutionized how yes, relievers are used yes, in the postseason. Did. Yes, they um, did. That was something H-D-H. that... HDH. Yeah, like, we hadn't seen that. Uh, until all davis gotta, herrera yeah and it was it was lights out but where they got lucky was they had four pieces of a core all come up at the same time all contribute at a high level and all essentially stick around
2: well um Salvi haas gordo and um moustakas fucking moose
3: well yeah. and The other thing, too, is that like most builds that peak with one single 90 win season don't result in World Series championships. Like that's the other part of the luck. It's not like that that team wasn't good the year they won the World Series or that the team before that lost in the World Series wasn't good. They were both good teams. But like as we've outlined with the Dodgers or the 90s Braves, like most times it takes five or six or seven cracks at it to get through to the World Series. Right. And or winning 95 games seven years in a row. Those Royals teams won 86, 89, 95 games, and then they've never been above 500 since, okay? Since the World Series. Zero okay. seasons above 500. So, like, the window was very, very tight, and that they got a World Series and experience too is an awesome thing for their fan base and a credit to that front office and those players. But, like, this is a different front office, and I think it's okay if we answer the question of what are the Royals doing with, I don't think the Royals know what they're doing.
2: Like it's a transition period
3: for sure. No, no no no, like. no, 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 I, no. I don't even think it's a transition period. Like they moved on from Dayton more. And this current front office fronted by JJ Piccolo, I think has had time to show that it knows what it's doing. And this is as hopeless as a situation as exists roster wise outside of Oakland. No, no disrespect, but like that's, that's nope. where it, I mean, it's, this, it's Oakland and it's Colorado and it's Kansas City. And those three are on their own level in terms of roster hopelessness. And that's with the Royals existing in a division that, as we've talked about, is there for the taking for any team that wants to be an 88 win team year in and year out. Like, I think this is, I don't mean to be overly depressing, but I think this is a damn near hopeless situation. And they're probably headed for another complete rebuild session.
2: Like, where, where is the talent? Well, if that's the case, where does Bobby Witt Jr. fit into that? Like, do <laughs> he keep like like is Bobby Witt Jr. going to just going to rot in Kansas City?
1: No, I think he. You have to use. He's like, a, that's the most valuable piece you've got. To uh, I don't want to even say slingshot a rebuild, but it's like that's that's going to put some jolt into it for sure. What else are you going to do? You're going to deal Salvi? Like what what? Like he's
0: 33 years old. Oh, that kind of makes sense, at least. I'm looking at this. Sh- I mean, it does. This shocks me, though, dude. I'm looking at the farm system rankings, and the Royals are Tell 20- me where they're at.
3: Eighth. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. They're, they have to undergo another complete rebuild because this was supposed to be the new core, and it's not. Like Bobby Witt Jr. is, is, is good. Nicky Lopez, gone gone yep. like past one Quinti- like i know he's injured like but he's Pass sidelined watch. yeah like yep. the pi- the pitching has basically across the board not developed um Brady for singer thing. and like you look at the current thing it's like so i just went on FanGraphs and looked at their like team war broken down by category they are 20 uh, 28th in team 27th in offense they are 20 uh, 28th in starting pitching and 25th in relief pitching. So they are bad in every facet of the game. Um, and I, 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 just, I, think, I just don't think they know what they're doing. And I think they're in a really tough spot now because the fact that we're already talking about tr- trading Bobby Witt Jr., who feels like he just got here um, mm-hmm. as the future of the Royals, has to be absolutely nauseating as a Royals fan. If that's where, if that's really the
2: path you go down, but what other path is there? Like, well, who—that's the thing—is who else do you have? As we just talked about Salvi, and we just talked about Bobby Widget. Who, who else do you think is going to bring you any sort of potentially impactful prospect? There's, there's nobody. There's nobody, and if the rebuild is the way that it has to go down, that is what's jarring about this, and that's where again, like I. Teams have to start putting emphasis on being able to develop talent these days. They have to. They have to. And I think the Royals are going to be a club that absolutely could benefit from putting a lot of eggs in their developmental baskets and figuring out where the shortcomings have been. And is there a way, is there a way that they can take some of the rough stones they have right now throw them in the rock tumbler and just somehow some way come out with something a little more polished can they do that because right now it seems like that's the most viable path is getting rid of the guys that are going to cost you money that you're not going to be able to build around anyway and figuring out how to develop talent
4: Um, jake Question for Jay Hay. Are you able to figure out the last time the shortstop position had this
5: little offensive production throughout the whole league? It feels like it's a weak spot for almost every team. Uh,
3: yes. The short answer is that uh, just last season was worse. So I looked at this ahead of time. Uh, league wide OPS at shortstop. This season is 710. Uh, last season it was 692. So um, 18 points lower just last season. And I looked also at the entire wild card era or every season in the wildcard era, and this year is not – it's in the bottom half, uh, maybe bottom 35%, but it's not unusually bad um, shortstop-wise. So that's the answer. Who do we blame for that?
4: What? That it's not great? Yeah. yeah I think
3: it's the same. Is Carlos Correa responsible for that? Probably the same culprit. Is Marcus – I mean – Trey Turner, I mean a lot of Tim guys. Tim Anderson, Tatis, a lot of guys who were Tatis
0: st- going to the outfield also. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Tim Anderson not having a homer. He does now. Oh, <clears throat> one. Yeah, he's got
0: one. Yeah, it was a bomb.
3: No, I think, <laughs> it was a bomb. I think it's fair that the 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 high end of the of the position is perhaps not what it was a couple of seasons ago or five years ago or certainly during like you know the the famous uh a rod jeter nomar era um that that's fine but there's still a lot of talent overall respect like barry I'm, larkin yeah well I, that's fine i sort of see b lark as before those guys right uh, rafael yeah. for call I, i'm not going to put rafael for call in the group he was definitely <laughs> a we're player not leave, short we're not going to leave cal
2: last. out of this are we yeah
3: again cal <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, World you know, Series and MVP, I believe, were both won during the 80s. Yeah.
1: Um, Edgar Renteria, going to get some love here.
2: Edgar Renteria, what a clutch player. What a <laughs> yeah.
3: clutch player. How um, quickly
2: you've turned on Miguel Tejada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well,
3: MVP. you know, the P, the PEDs kind of did that for us, didn't they? MVP. Um, yeah. Uh, weak yeah. MVP. Weak, weak, weak Can't
1: MVP. turn the page without mentioning J.J. Hardy here. Yep. No, mm. you
3: can't. Or or uh, Khalil Green.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Shout out Ray Ordonez um, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, what's Eric Sogard up to right now? I that's don't a great know. question. Former face of baseball. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: Omar Vizquel <laughs> hasn't Charlie. been in the news in a while. What's the, Omar Vizquel?
3: No, yeah, the last time he was in the news, it wasn't so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Oh my god, I don't know, but it was bad, man. It's not so funny. He was being a freak. Oh, what was he doing? He was oh, a menace man. in the clubhouse, He's,
4: like bad. I'm nervous Kel. <laughs> It's like <laughs> bad. Click on the news.
2: Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What? Are, why are you guys? Re- hold on, hold on. Now I want to fucking. I want in. You, what, what I it, didn't.
1: Know, it, I it, never saw this story. 2000,
2: what, hold on, don't say it. What'd you do? Ty- tell
1: me what to type into Google. I just typed in Omar Vizquel and then I hit the news tab.
2: <laughs> Omar. Okay, he's the first Okay. Hit the news tab? Just click on news. News. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, that that never came across
0: my dashboard.
2: Are you fucking serious?
0: Yeah, I never knew that. Oh my god. That's yeah, that's even worse than I thought see yeah now i feel bad fucking laughing about it
1: how do how do we know about this how do we not know about this
4: my god yeah
1: jay Hay was all over it though i don't know i don't know how he missed this we were uh we were a podcast at this point yeah not wow. great
4: anyways uh yeah so next question jay.
1: Jeez. <laughs>
5: What does the panel think is more likely? The Angels re-signing Shohei Otani or the Angels making it to the World Series? World Series. World
0: Series. <laughs> yeah. I mean
4: there there's a zero. percent that like chance
2: is that they... like is that like ever? <laughs> or is that, or is that, is yeah, that I mean
1: they they have a zero percent chance uh of re signing Shohei Otani. And their playoff odds right now, what do they have?
3: I think it's resigning Otani. It's not. If their playoff odds are 10%, their winning the World Series odds have to be, what, 1% or 2% right now?
1: 0.4% to win the World Series. That's not to make it, though. Okay. We said to make it, right?
3: Okay, so double it. So it's 0.8%. 0.8%
1: 0.8% what, what? chance to win the World Series. Uh, they they have are a zero chance mind. of signing.
3: Ohtani. No, come on. Come on. The it's answer zero. is the, they do not have a zero percent chance.
1: All right. It's a 0.2% chance to <laughs> no, re sign Otani, no. and it's a
3: 0.8% chance to win the World Series. No, I disagree. Yes. Re signing Otani. Wrong. Re-ins 1% to 0.8%. Unfortunate, but incorrect. Uh,
2: Dallas? Uh, I believe they have a much better shot of signing Shohei Otani than they do winning the World Series.
0: <laughs> Joseph? His World Series. Definitely World Series. Yeah, he got great. better odds of the
4: World Series. Thank you.
0: That's correct, Joe. Correct answer. Yeah. Good job. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, that's probably um, the only way that he does sign bad. They win the World Series and he might, you know, but... Even yeah, then. if they win the World Series, then they
1: unlock an extra 0.3% to to bring back Shohei. Um, Jake, next question.
4: If Otani
5: continues at this pace, where would this rank among the greatest seasons of all time?
1: <sighs> I mean, I would really have to see like what the numbers look like. Like, on pace for what? Like, does he uh, have, like, a low three... ERA with 250 plus strikeouts and 60 home runs, then that's the greatest season ever. That's
2: number one. I just don't know how, what he's doing and how, like I want to believe he had the greatest season ever last year and maybe the year before that. And the fact that this year's going to be even better would lead me to believe that this could also be the greatest season we've ever seen from a baseball player.
1: You know what, when we had that conversation, uh, what was that yesterday about the uh, one hit complete game shutout and followed by two home runs. I was on the phone being like, I without even looking, that's probably like no one has probably done that since like the early 1900s or 1800s. It happened in like 1970. I was like, no, that can't be correct. Like, who the fuck is doing that in 1970?
2: What throwing it a, wasn't a, even like a name that I and then hitting two bombs?
1: Yeah, like, uh, like uh, throwing a complete game, one hit shutout, and hitting two home runs in the same day. That hasn't. Ha- I would have been like, yeah, that hasn't happened since 1891 when fucking uh, Josiah Husafat did it for the fucking the Boston Bean Eaters. Like, it's I wasn't really anticipating the 70s coming into play on that one.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I would I want to know the name of that person.
1: Yeah. It was not someone that like I remember or recognize their name either. It wasn't someone that uh
4: rang a bell. Cuz I mean like who who
2: was a two-way like complete know. game one-hit shutout in the first game of a doubleheader?
1: It wasn't it it wasn't a two-way. It was before the DH. They just did that shit back then.
2: <laughs> but this is not a doubleheader? That's that's my question. Because that's uh, what Shohei
1: did. We've we've got our research department on it. If my my facial recognition, uh... so,
2: so
3: I'm not answering that question specifically, but right. I I do have an answer for like kind of the two way thing. Because uh-huh. I think the one thing that we t- we always it's Babe Ruth and Otani, right? Like that's that's the conversation. But what we yeah. gloss over sometimes with Babe Ruth is that there was very little crossover between Babe Ruth, the pitching ace. And Babe yeah. Ruth, Indeed. the hitting ace, right? Like Correct, Otani's right. doing it at the same time. Babe Ruth mm-hmm. really didn't, except for the 1918 season, which was his yes. second to last season World in champs. Boston. No, his um, last season. Do I have it? No, 1919 was his last season. Oh, 19. Yeah. You guys, sold yeah, 1920 him. was his first season with the Yankees when he sold him to the Empire. 54 homers. Just sold the best player in. In the world. so yeah, because
1: we didn't condone murder. So, so 1918
3: and 1919 were the only overlaps for basically Babe Ruth, the great hitter, and Babe Ruth, the great pitcher. Um, and you can kind of nitpick, which like his 1918 pitching season was better, but his 1919 hitting season was better. So you can kind of nitpick. But let's just use 1918, for example. It's actually pretty. It's pretty close. Uh, Babe Ruth threw 166 and a third innings and posted a 122 ERA plus. Right now, Otani uh, is on pace to throw slightly more innings than that and has a 131 ERA plus. So a superior pitching season uh, adjusted for era. Uh, And the offensive numbers are also pretty similar. Babe Ruth posted a 192 OPS in 382 plate appearances uh, Otani's got a 189 and may come close to doubling those plate appearances. Um, so I I think there's going to be, and unless you want to do 1919 when Babe Ruth was better offensively but worse pitching wise, which you could do, so I think it's going to be three seasons it's going to be 1918, 1919, or Shohei Otani 2023 as the greatest season of all time.
0: It's got to be Shohei if he has twice the plate appearances as him. And I believe Babe Ruth only did it for like half of one of those seasons. So it's like one and a half seasons for Ruthie over there.
3: Yeah, so he made 34 Rudy. starts. Okay, I okay. found it. Sarah Lang's had it.
1: Shohei Otani is the first player to throw a shutout and homer twice on the same day since Sonny Siebert on September 9th or uh, September 2nd, 1971. And he did it in the same game. So he's kind of better than Shohei.
2: Well, they, I mean, Good that's the Sonny Siebert. Who- went deep in his at-bats.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you right now, it's the best season ever. Second best season ever was last year. Third best season ever was the year before.
4: That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: yep. I, I I just love, uh, you know, because <laughs> the question around Shohei initially was, what if he does this every year are we just going to give him the MVP every year? Well, now yeah. let me ask you, if he continues to post seasons that are the best season ever produced by a baseball player, would that have him in the conversation for getting him that MVP year in and year out? Just a question. Just asking a question. Should the guy perform better then everybody in the league and then have those seasons turn out to be some of the best seasons the game has ever seen. And he does them all in a row, let's say four or five times. Who would your MVP be for those four or five years? Would you be looking for somebody else not having the best season the game's ever seen? If so, why? Feel free to expand on that.
1: I don't think there's anyone that pushes back to that notion. I know that we kind of like there was a point where we got sick of Mike Trout winning every year and we're like, all right, let someone else win. But when you're talking about the single best seasons to ever happen, then yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be like, "Dude, give give someone else a try, dude. What the fuck?" I mean, Aaron Judge got got an MVP last year that he probably shouldn't have gotten because of yeah, well, your season.
2: Because you're valuing one half of the season when you're talk when you're having that conversation when you're talking well, about no, Shohei I, Otani because
1: he hit sixty two home runs and it was like well, uh, yeah but had,
2: like, what I'm saying is when you're having that conversation with Shohei Otani in it and anybody else you're just automatically not having the full conversation because yeah. you can't compare well, what the other
1: person's doing I'll tell you what I'm automatically having a full blue moon at, right after we're done with this podcast we're gonna have the full thing we're not even talking half and half. Cause the huh. playoffs are around the corner. So it's time to help your team out by sticking to your lucky rituals, like the ritual of enjoying an ice cold blue moon while the game is on blue moon was born in a ballpark first brewed at Coors field in Denver, Colorado, make it your one of a kind baseball tradition, whether you're at the park or watching from home, blue moon, big time, shout out. They sent me a ton of blue moon, uh, that is going to be gone by the end of the weekend because I'm having a bunch of people over for Summerslam. Because Dallas, when Dallas came over, Dallas drank all my Blue Moon. And then I had Indeed. to replenish that. And now that's probably going to be gone after Saturday when every, everyone comes over to watch SummerSlam. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was bor- uh, brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind, it's bold flavor, bright explosion of color and iconic orange slice ritual guarantees a one of a kind beer experience. Perfect for spring weather best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Brighten up your baseball traditions with blue moon, Belgian style wheat ale. It's a one of a kind. Every time check out shop, dot blue moon brewing Company.com for baseball merch and visit get dot com slash rocket to find blue moon delivery options that is get dot dot com slash rocket blue moon made brighter celebrate responsibly blue moon brewing company golden colorado l jake next question please
5: who do you all think is the modern day harold baines wow
3: wow that's incredible what a question they, that's incredible they sent that into this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I did some research. I'm going to give everybody a chance to think about it, but I. What? What? Oh, just Just for longevity purposes?
4: Yeah, like a compiler.
3: I did some research. I tried my best to come up with some offensive players who have been the modern day Harold Baines. All right. I want to see what you guys think about it. Please. There are four, four names, none are perfect. Nelson Cruz.
4: Adrian Gonzalez, Luis
3: Gonzalez, and Paul Canerco.
4: Paul Canerco is a
1: good one. I was Harold thinking Baines, more active players, but for, in terms of like but, recent generation, the problem Paul is, Canerco is, that is that probably the, a really good one. There's Paul Canerco nobody, had 400 homers?
3: Yeah, I think he just got there. Um, let me check. So um, Harold Baines is a six-time all-star and a one-time Silver Slugger. Um, Canerico, six-time All-Star. Luis Gonzalez, five-time All-Star, one-time Silver Slugger. Adrian, five-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. And Nelson Cruz, the best of the bunch, seven-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. Uh, Canerico, 439 career home runs. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, Harold Maines is 38th all-time in career plate appearances in Major League Baseball history. And the vast majority of people that he is up there with are just demonstrably superior players as we've outlined many times. Um, I don't know. I, I liked the Adrian Gonzalez one a little bit too. Cause like Harold Baines was not really a like yearly 35 home run threat. And with the exception of that one year, I feel like from AG, like he was more of like a 20 to 28 home run guy. Um, you know, lefty kind of smooth swinging first base bat. Um, I don't know. Those are my answers, but I would probably go Canerco or Adrian Gonzalez if I had to.
2: Yeah. It feels like Nelly is just a little bit further along. I agree.
3: All of these guys are technically Luis Gonzalez, Adrian Gonzalez, and Nelson Cruz all are ahead of Harold Baines in career war. Paul Canerco <laughs> is behind. Um, and all of those guys have, have racked up, far fewer career plate appearances. Just for context, the only active player who has more career plate appearances than Harold Baines is Miguel Cabrera. And Miggy's obviously a different type of player. So it's hard, but hopefully those are satisfying answers for the listener. What about Torrey Hunter? So it's interesting. I think there's a statistical comp there. My problem where I ran into an issue there is that we're talking about a gold glove center fielder and a probably net negative defensive first baseman slash dh yeah yeah, yeah Tory what, what Tori
2: have fucking 10 gold gloves 9 10 gold gloves right but in terms uh, of career nine.
3: war and like his like slash line and like ops like i i know where jared's coming from because i i have tory's name written down um but i tried to you know make it like a similar type of person type of player too. um <laughs> you know, AG, Luis Gonzalez, PK, Paul Canerco, they never won MVPs. Um, they got some MVP votes scattered in years. There's not a lot of black ink. Like, Paul Canerco has one piece of black ink, just like Harold Baines does. Oh, you Baines know, is, who, is just, you know who, who I think I got? What who? about Brandon Phillips? <laughs> they pull up his page. I mean, again, we're talking way different type of player, right? Yeah,
1: 17 um, years in the big leagues. Hit 275 with a 740 OPS. Had a career war of (laughs) 28.4. Yeah. Three-time All-Star, four-time Gold Glove, won a Silver Slugger
3: once. So it's actually, I think, as a pro-rated situation, like how much war did you accumulate per game or per plate appearance? They're probably about equally valuable players. Uh, Just eyeballing. it, Because B. Phillips had about 8,000 plate appearances. And twenty eight war, and Harold Baines had what like twelve, almost twelve thousand plate appearances, and thirty eight war. So it's probably about the same. So in terms of like value contributed, I think Brandon Phillips is a good answer.
4: Wow! All right, going. What about?
2: uh, What about Carney Carney
4: Lansford? Carney Lansford. Carney Lansford.
2: I mean. He's not a, not a this-era player.
3: No, I mean, again, similar career—40 war, similar career value, but th- you know about 3,000, 4,000 fewer career plate appearances. Carney never hit 20 homers in a season. Stole 224 bags. Harold Baines stole 34 bags. A little
4: different. Yeah.
3: I mean, I could probably make an interesting case that— I don't know, maybe, maybe that batting title season by Kearney— it was the most valuable season either of them put together.
4: Damn. All I right. love me some Carney. Yeah. Uh, Jake, next question.
5: This is the last one I had written down. Um, how did you all find the sport of baseball and what made you fall
4: in love with the game? Wow, that's deep. That's deep. Um, Dallas, why don't you go first?
2: Um, I was introduced to the game of baseball by my, by my mother, my, well, my mother and my father. Um, and from there it was the, the minute I was introduced to the game, there was no letting go. The game had me sunk its teeth in early. It won't let go. And it's, it's that simple. I don't, I don't have a fucking villain or origin story. Like I, it It is. It is as simple as the minute that I can remember loving anything, doing anything, wanting to do anything. It was baseball. I didn't want to go on vacation. I didn't want to go to the movies. I didn't want to go hang out with my friends. I didn't want to do anything other than play baseball. I woke up to play baseball. I went to bed dreaming about waking up and playing baseball. My mom and my grandmother did everything they could to facilitate that. So from the minute that my brain was able to form memories that I was ever going to hold on to, that is when baseball took hold.
4: Hmm. Jay.
3: Yeah. I mean, my dad uh, is and was a baseball fan. My grandparents uh, were baseball fans. uh, So grew up uh, following the sport. I was a big card collector as a kid. Uh, That was a massive thing for me. Still have all those cards. Um, Grew up going to Cleveland games uh, at the Jake uh, back when, you know, I didn't live in Cleveland, so it was a couple of times a year, but uh, definitely went on a regular basis and just got into it that way. And to Dallas's point about, you know, inability to get it out of you. I mean, the league told me to get bent. And here I am still talking about the game of baseball in the 2023 season. So I don't I don't know that it's going anywhere for me either. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's easily my favorite sport for sure. Uh, And I don't know. Over time, I've become like from my college age on, I sort of became attracted to the to the number side and the stats stuff, obviously. And that's enhanced my attachment to the game and how I look at it now. But it's been going on for a long time.
4: Joseph. What's the question? When you like uh, baseball? When did you it's about it's about right?
1: It's like uh how did you fall in love with the game of baseball?
0: Ooh Probably Chipper Jones, man. Chipper Jones had that sweet swing, switch hitter. So I started watching baseball when I was a little kid because my dad liked the Braves and then I saw Chipper. I think I thought Chipper was a cool name. And then I started playing football and then I was uh, so good at it. I was so fucking good at baseball. It was like, I had no other options, you know, I just hit bombs and I could pitch and I was a great fielder. And it was like everyone around me was like, bro, you got to be baseball. You got to do baseball. And I was so fucking good. And then people were like, dude, you're like awesome. You should do YouTube. Like when I was like five, seven. I'm a really good player, but I would probably be better at YouTube because it's a bit more fun.
4: Ever since then, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, What about you, Jake? Uh, For me, it was
5: my dad and my grandma. Um, Just growing up, Red Sox were always on TV, so I was introduced at a pretty young age, and then they just started winning World Series all the time, and I was like, this is great.
4: So,
1: this is great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that helps a lot. If you like baseball and your team is good, it's a lot easier to actually like it. You know, team sucks.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a lot easier to love it. <laughs> it's a lot easier to
1: just be like, "This is fucking awesome." win the World Series like once every three years. It's sick. uh I think like I mean like my earliest memories of baseball are like uh, <clears throat> T-ball, and. I didn't love it at first. Like my dad used to have to like bribe me to stick with it for T-ball. He'd be like, "All right, like if you can make it through a whole practice, uh, like we can make lemonade when you get home." First, it was lemonade. Then it was uh, my dad used to like uh, I would like sit on his lap and he would like let me drive home. (laughs) Like like he like he would hold the wheel and I'd like think that I was driving the truck home from practice. So he had to, like, bribe me with shit to stick it through T-ball. But then, like, once you start playing actual baseball, like, yeah, I was like, I was fucking head over heels in love with baseball. And that's how you, like, made friends back then. Like, it was there was no social media. Like, you weren't, like, connecting with people on the Internet. It's like, all right, my friends are the kids that are on my team. And the people that I don't like are the people that are on the team that we play all the time that's fucking really good. Like, that's, that's how I developed my first enemies. And that's how I developed my first best friends in life was fucking playing Little League baseball. And then uh, when I was nine, I mean, I already loved and preferred baseball anyway, but I started off like a big Bruins fan. We had Bruins season tickets at the Garden. And uh, in 98, when the Red Sox traded for Pedro, Um, my dad was just like, yeah, no, we're the good news that the bad news is we don't have Bruins season tickets anymore. The good news is we have Red Sox season tickets now and uh, we've had them ever since. So yeah, there's always just been like, kind of like to like Joey's point. Uh, I forget who it was, but it was like, my dad had a friend who had a friend that was a scout for the Baltimore Orioles. So as I'm playing Little League and everything, I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. But, you know, like if if I'm going to play in the big leagues, I'm going to have to like start off on the Orioles and then like eventually like I'll get to play for the Red Sox. But, you know, at least I have my in with the Orioles. Like that's like my path to playing big league baseball. And then my uh, my sophomore year, like JV high school baseball coach was the first person to be like, you know, you're not like. Playing in the big leagues, right? Like you know, like you're, you're like not nearly as good as you think you are to play big league baseball. So that the next year is when I had to like pivot and be like, all right, well, if I'm not going to play major league baseball, all right, fine. Like that's a tough pill to swallow at 16. But all right, I guess I'm not playing in the big leagues. But I will find a way to involve. Like my life will be about baseball in some form or fashion. And then that's when I started my blog. Was my uh, junior year when I was 16. So I've always, it's always been a part of my life in some way. Um, thank God for that JV baseball coach that told me I wasn't going to make it to the big leagues because at the time I thought I, it, it was still in the cards. Dude, uh, so I had enough time to pivot to media at 16, which is, I mean, thank God. I mean, like, what if, what if I pursued that uh, until I was like 25, <laughs> just like still trying. Like, no one had the balls to tell me, like, hey, dude, it's not happening. That's
3: that's so funny. It took you until you were a junior. Sophomore. Sophomore for somebody to tell you that, because I vividly remember being in fourth grade and playing basketball in my friend's driveway and his mom coming out and being like, hey, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I'm thinking I might want to be a basketball player. And she goes, you have no chance. You should start thinking (laughs) about something else. Fourth grade. I was like, oh, all right. Well okay
2: (laughs) shout out out bonnie Lyon. you know yeah but but we have like i can remember dude i remember my and this is a great story my english teacher in in high school was also my english teacher when i was in seventh and eighth grade so seventh and eighth grade i have an english teacher right and i tell her hey what do you want to be when you grow up Blah, blah 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 and i tell her The same thing I said to her when I got to high school, but I said this in seventh grade, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. And I was hit with the odds and blah, 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 right? Same thing next year. And then I get to high school and because high school just wasn't, you know, awesome for me in terms of my, my academics and baseball career.
1: Well, I told
2: her again, my junior year in high school, uh, yeah, I'm going to the, I'm going to be a big league baseball player. That's what I'm going to do. And she laughed at me and she told me, if you ever sign a professional contract, I'll bet you a hundred dollars right now. You do not play major league baseball. If you even sign a professional contract, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Fast forward to 2007 when I make my major league debut and we come home to Oakland, California. I got in my car and drove to Stockton, California, where she was a teacher at Franklin High School. And I showed up to her fucking class and I said, what's up now? You owe me $100. And to her credit, she broke out a fucking $100 bill right there in class, told the story to all the kids and handed me the $100. Shout out to Shauna Hauser. Miss Hauser,
1: Did you frame it? Probably not. Cause
2: uh, fuck did, no. I've spent that shit on weed, son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would have framed it.
2: <clears throat> no, I have no idea what I did with the money, but that was, um, that was a life lesson for me in like, you know what? There's going to be people who are supposed to help you along this path that you're probably going to feel like at times are holding you back or hurting you. And when you look back, with the benefit of hindsight, it's probably just a dose of reality that you didn't expect to come at that point in your life. So everything that she had, as far as facts and information to project my future, she was not wrong. She was not off. She was not in the minority. Mm -hmm. Shit just didn't work out for her. That's all. She owed me a hundred bucks.
1: That's one of my favorite stories. (sighs) (sighs) that is kind of crazy that uh you could do it kids
2: you could do it you know doesn't matter what the english teacher says
1: obviously had that dream of being a big league baseball player from a very young age and that actually happened like i feel like every kid has that dream of i want to play in the big leagues and then we're eventually told at some point or another like hey it's not happening so like maybe you should probably have a plan B because if your plan a is to play in the big leagues, you're, you're going to be the it's musical chairs and you're not going to have a seat. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) But
2: dude, I can remember in fucking junior college in my fucking political science class, we did the same exercise. Like, what are you guys looking to do? How are you looking to turn this class specifically into your future endeavors or whatever? And people are talking about, they want to be a part of the local government and the Senate. And I've got, white house aspirations and i legit was like i'm here to play baseball like i'm gonna play major league baseball and me and the kid next to me this is great his name's manny para left-hander yeah set the record for set the record for draft and follow signing bonus right we're both saying the same shit and this lady's looking at us like you think both of you are going to the big leagues like that's that's cute and all but you're probably gonna have to pass my poly side class manny para big leagues me big leagues her probably still a great political science teacher but again (laughs) fucking told you so
4: yeah that
1: is nuts that is nuts but i mean hey like i uh the way that i i can rationalize this with myself is that i have had the the goal of making it in baseball media i've had that goal for longer than i ever had the goal of making it to the big leagues
2: so we're here. And that matters. I mean, dude, like, honestly, you take stock of everything. This is why the game is so beautiful, because if you allow it to be a part of your life the way essentially the stars have intended it to be, it can it can be a beautiful thing. It's coming to terms with that, right? Like, I'd love to still be playing. My fucking body told me that was not going to happen a long time ago, and I was given a choice, per se. Do I process that? And... Think the game has chewed me up and spit me out and is done with me? Do I have something to still give the game? Am I somebody that can still take something from the game and, and give that back? And that can be said for each and every one of you guys as well. Jared, Jay, Jake, uh, I mean, all of you, Joe, like you, you got, I mean, a fucking banging ass YouTube channel like that, like because of the game of baseball. That's real shit, Jay. Hey. You are a fucking statistical wizard who did incredible work at quite literally the worldwide leading sports network. That shit is like, you don't just grow up and fall into those spaces. You have to work at shit like that. And probably in the face of a lot of people telling you that, ah, I don't know how realistic is, oh, well, that's cool. You know, that's a good dream to have. That's a good whatever. Right. I mean, Jared, you became a fucking the mayor of some fictional land online <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and have parlayed that into a decent living, running your mouth about baseball, mm-hmm. right? it's it's all I mean, this this is it. This is it, Jake, you're flying around fucking hanging out with big Poppy for these fucking <laughs> parties. and like Jesus Christ, right? You get to do a Red Sox podcast with me. I mean, think <laughs> about the fucking benefit this game has given us yeah it's true
4: it's true we're all lucky we're all lucky um all right that puts a
1: a bow on the thursday uh twitter questions uh are are we gonna do this uh like how how should we do this moving forward because i feel like it it plays
2: monthly week weekly might get crushed huh
1: yeah, because I mean, I feel like there's going to be Thursdays where there is actual like news to talk sure. about. Um, I don't know. Should we do like
2: the first of the month, first and end to begin the month and then to end the month? That's why I said by by monthly, twice a month.
1: Jake's gonna have to stay on top of that because I'm not gonna remember any of that shit. Also, in the off season, like we- what do we do in the off season? Do we only do one episode a week in the off season? Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the offseason, if we wanted to, we could still do two episodes. One would just be like news and one would be like Twitter questions. Or
2: if you guys just want to do like one six hour pod.
1: Yeah, let's do like one, one eight hour pod. <laughs> 24 hour live see.
0: stream once a week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> once a week.
2: <laughs> just to kind of trim stuff down. <laughs> uh,
0: we'll figure it out. We'll figure
1: it out. Uh, anyways, thank you for everyone for your Twitter submissions. Your ex submissions. Your DMS we will figure out a system moving forward um, so that we can kind of keep you guys in the in the mix on all the discussions that we're having on the pod. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to baseball doesn't exist on YouTube. A huge Dallas hit piece dropping today. (laughs) Very excited for that. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zin nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zin earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zin swag, even gift cards. Find your Zyn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's zyn, Z Y N.com. Warning this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, Jay Hay, any final thoughts?
3: Uh, Fangraphs posted uh, an article on biggest uh, changes in playoff and World Series odds after the trade deadline. Dust settled uh, quickly. Uh, biggest change in playoff odds and the positive was the Rangers plus 6.4. Uh, in the NL, it was the Cubs at plus four point four, uh, and largest gains in World Series odds, um, both coming from the AL, uh, both coming from the AL West. Houston plus two point zero percent, and two the Rangers odds. plus one point zero percent. So, uh, I encourage anybody to go check out the full article because they do division stuff too. They have largest drops and odds, uh, et cetera. But uh, shout out to the Rangers, Cubs, and Astros.
4: Okay, Joseph, final thoughts.
0: Uh, if I get a final thought, some uh, one team that we didn't look talk about for a second because we're idiots, because we're talking about all these teams who are like uh you know we're kind of beating up on the teams who are doing nothing and chilling and not taking it, uh grabbing the season by the balls and really going for it, but the fucking uh Miami Marlins, man, we didn't even talk about them. Yeah, they made some moves. They got Jake Berger, who is underrated, and they who else? How's your burger? Yes, sir. And then, who, did you I, see the
1: report I, that just came out an hour ago? What did say? Uh, the Marlins and Red Sox got really close to a Justin Signing Turner Willingham? trade. Oh, Justin oh. Turner trade that uh, apparently fell through, and that's when they had to pivot to Jake Berger.
0: And then, um, that would have been interesting. Why am I? Bl- why am I such an idiot? Who hit the? <laughs> who hit the bomb last night? They just got.
4: Josh Bell. Josh Bell. Hey. Oh, yeah. Duh. Josh Bell. Hey, he's not Albert Pujols,
0: but he hit a bomb. And for the Marlins, I feel like that's a big deal, and they've been struggling since the All-Star break. I think, you know, I said the Angels got the juju. Marlins might have the juju too. And, uh, yeah, watch out for the Angel- uh, fucking Marlins. And shout out to the Marlins. <laughs> oh.
1: Dude. This dude having a Chris Farley moment right now. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> fucking. Joe, why don't you just <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah thank you take, take a breath man <laughs> take take the rest of the day off Joe uh, yeah. my final thoughts are <laughs> shout out to the Red Sox who, who did not fail me I knew that there was going to be a report surfacing at some point Jared you threw me off I thought that's where you're going when you talked about Justin uh, but then you followed up with Turner and I was talking about Verlander the Red Sox once again about as interested as it gets in getting better <laughs> and I love I fucking love to see that because if i am going down with the ship for the oakland a's then god damn it you guys know you know who my favorite club is once the last pitch of the regular season has been thrown for the oakland a's it's fucking beantown till i die and if haim wasn't going to be fucking interested here then i was ready to i was ready to bail i was ready to fucking bail but but now that i know that we were kicking tires i'm fucking in i'm back
1: i'm back that would have made no sense. <laughs> no sense. The Red Sox were like, yeah, we really need to get under the luxury tax because uh, we've got to reset. <laughs> Give us the
2: guy they're paying. Let's 50 bring in Justin Verlander.
1: My internet went out, but... Uh, what would you say? Made...
2: What would you say? I want to hear
1: it. I said, like, it just would have made no sense to be like, hey, we... Desperately need to get under the luxury tax, so that's why we're we're bringing in Justin Verlander. (laughs) (laughs) Would have made absolutely no sense. So I I mean, I don't know. Like maybe that's just a phone call where they're like, "Hey, like what? What's what? What will it cost?" But
2: Jared, you just you got to get you got to get mentally got to get get into the interest king's mindset when you start evaluating mm -hmm. stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they did do it. They did make the call. (laughs) There is plenty of interest going around. Mitch Keller. Hey, what a lot cost. Thanks.
4: (laughs) Dylan Cease. Hey, what do you want for him? All right. Nice. That's it. (laughs) They don't give a fuck. Um,
1: All right. Enjoy your weekend of baseball. We will be back on Monday for a big ass, juicy, meaty baseball pod. Uh, Jake's
5: takes. No, I just agree with Dallas. Shout out to the Red Sox. They're my favorite team too. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll see y'all on Monday. We go.